You think you know what we're going to talk about. But unfortunately, I fell down a damn rabbit hole and I've not gotten out yet. <laughs> Knife bros. I literally googled Sebastian Stan hands. But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. Well, yeah, because like, usually in astrology, they would partner up air signs with fire signs. All right, you can, you can huggle. Time travel stories. and At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. Well, we should make it a topic. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't take German in school. I barely took, I took Spanish and I don't remember any of it. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Three Fates Decide. I am your one of your co-hosts, uh, Liz, and I'm with my uh, fellow co-hosts, Sam and Mary. Say hi. Hello. Hello. Okay, so we're finally on the final book slash two movies of Harry Potter. Yeah, can't believe it's almost over, but it is. All good things have to come to an end. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I gotta say, I think it was a really smart idea that they split up the book into two parts when they when they finally got around to doing the movies. Although I know for some people it's a little controversial because it's like, oh, it, it feels like um, this is only half a movie in a way uh, when you're watching each part. And it's like, well, duh, <laughs> it was one book. Right, but they did it right. I agree with you. It was smart of them to do too, because there's, mm -hmm. even though it's not the biggest book, it has so much that if you were to cut too much out, again, it wouldn't make sense. They already ruined it with the last movie, so it's like they had to make it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or at least that's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I guess we'll do, we'll start off with like a quick synopsis about what happened, even though it kind of feels hard to, because a lot of stuff happened, but yeah, we got to. <laughs> <laughs> so the book itself came out in July of 2007. It was 607 pages. The first movie came out in 2010 and the second movie came out in 2011 that kind of sucked because you had to wait a year to like see the ending. But again, it just left you wanting to, to see it. So very smart marketing move. But so pretty much uh, Harry Potter, Deathly Hollows. After the events of the previous year, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are entrusted with the quest to find and destroy Lord Voldemort's secret to immortality, which is the Horcruxes. It's supposed to be their final year at Hogwarts, but with the collapse of the Ministry and Voldemort's rise to power, prevents them from attending. Instead, they go on a journey with many obstacles in their path, including Death Eaters, Snatchers, and the mysterious Deathly Hollows. And Harry's connection to the Dark Lord's mind is becoming even stronger. After destroying uh, one of the Horcruxes and discovering the significance of the three Deathly Hollows, Harry, Ron, and Hermione continue to sneak the other Horcruxes I'm sorry, to seek the other Horcruxes in an attempt to destroy Voldemort, who has now obtained the powerful Elder Wand. Dark Lord discovers Harry's hunt for his Horcruxes and launches an attack on Hogwarts, where the trio return for one last stand against the Dark Forces that threaten both the Wizarding and Muggle worlds. It all ends at Hogwarts. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, in a way, it kind of started at Hogwarts. Exactly. It's only, and it's again, only like, right that it comes full circle and it ends there. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially like in the last book we were talking about, Hogwarts is so significant to both Harry and Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of poetic. It, it is end there, you know. It is very no, much. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just remember I saw the first one twice in one day. Literally went to two different theaters and saw it twice. One in IMAX and then one in regular theater, because I'm that person. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then obviously I, I went back and saw the, the the second one when that came out. I think I only saw that one once in the theaters, though. I didn't go as as crazy. But, you know, considering how terrible the sixth movie was, I thought they did such a fantastic job with both movies. And I thought where they cut it off in the first movie was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a real cliffhanger. Yeah, and, like, as you said, like, you know, some people were upset because it's like, oh, well, it's only, like, half the book. Like, you know, so it felt like it got... With everything thrown in there, it felt like a full movie. Yes, the second movie is an easier watch, I'm going to say, because it's like the problem is that the first part of the book and the first movie is them traveling and hiding, and it's not very uh, active, I'm going to say. Yeah, there's no, yeah, not a lot of action going on, you know, but that's how it is in the books. Like they can't just like make up too much. Uh, you know, to make it easier. So yeah, the first uh, movie, if you didn't, I, I just remember people who didn't read the books were like, that was so boring. Like, I don't get why people like these movies and blah, blah, blah. Maybe if you read the book, you'd understand. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, it was a quote unquote boring movie, but it set up that final, that finale in mm-hmm. in uh, the last movie, the eighth movie, beautifully. I walked out very happy with both movies. Yeah. I mean, I kind of felt like, in a way, because it's in two movies, I think the people that were complaining about the first movie, it's like, well, when you watched the previous movies, when you think about it, the first part of those movies, it's like that, it's like set up and them trying to follow along and figure out what's going on. But it just feels longer in a way with the part one because of the fact that, you know, you're basically stretching out the story across two movies in a sense. Uh So in a way, it's kind of following a basic structure that existed in the previous movies. It's just that you didn't notice it because everything wrapped up in one movie versus Deathly Hallows, which is in two. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So there are obviously still differences between books and the movies. The website that we have been using for all of these, for some reason, gave up with the Deathly Hollows book <laughs> and did not finish. Yeah. Which sucks because what they have is amazing. And then they just kind of stop. So. I, I kind of I got another website again. Yes, there's changes, not anything major. A couple of scenes that I kind of wish that were in there, but it didn't change the 
course of the movie. The main plot of the book is definitely seen in both movies. So all of these changes didn't hurt the integrity of the story. Right. But we'll we'll kind of go through them. And I apologize in advance if I repeat stuff because I am going to kind of go off of two different lists. And I feel like I'm going to... And Mary, I know we were talking before this and you said a lot of changes happen pretty much during the first movie anyway. So it's not that big of a deal. But like literally they got through, I think three or four chapters the deathly hollows and then just like gave up yeah they're like we're done (laughs) it's like we're done (laughs) i don't want to do anymore (laughs) we're done i've done they're like they're like i've done seven six well six books six movies i'm not doing anymore (laughs) (laughs) so this is going to be uh, interesting going through the changes, but we'll we'll do our best. What a way to end it, you know? It's it's never easy. <laughs> but a couple of the main ones that I wanted to point out was in the movie, you see Hermione obliviate her parents' memories of her in order to protect them. This, you don't actually see this in the book. She does tell Ron and Harry what she did, and she did send them away, I believe, as well. Yes, sent them to Australia. Yes, uh, to protect them because, you know, obviously she knew the Death Eaters were going to come after them. But if they don't know who she is, they there's a better chance that they won't hurt, hurt them. Exactly. In film, there is a newspaper article mentioning the book, The Life and Lies of Albus Dumbledore. But the film doesn't really go into depth about that book, where in the book it's a big part Dumbledore's life is a huge part of this book you you really get to kind of learn you know who he was as a child and you know you you learn about uh Gellert Grindelwald which for the newer movies that's a kind of big thing (laughs) (laughs) to learn about yeah his younger sister Ariana and you know kind of all this stuff, and you also learn that Harry gets very, very upset about the book, and also about some of the things that he learns as well. You know, he he, even though people said like he knew Dumbledore kind of the best, he kind of learns he doesn't really know Dumbledore at all. <laughs> he knows the older yeah. Dumbledore, but he doesn't know Dumbledore the way he thought he did. <clears throat> so that's kind of a a major thing, but again, doesn't hurt the integrity of the book that they didn't go into depth but I guess you know again it's the pro of a book compared to a movie you can go into depth on things while also doing other things movies you can't really do that yeah in the movie you see the Dursleys leave Harry but in the book it is so much better you get to see not only you know uh the, the aunt and uncle leave and, and if I recall didn't the aunt have a moment with him too or was yeah. that in the previous yeah. book yeah no it I was thought. in the Deathly Hollows yeah 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 so so his aunt kind of has a moment because at the end of the day that's still her sister's son mm-hmm. and even though she was a terrible person to him I think she did have at least a little care for him because it's her sister's son but what really surprised people was Dudley and uh-huh. 
Harry had a beautiful moment because in the previous book, at the very, very beginning of the Half Blood, no, yeah, of, uh, it was the Half Blood Prince. Was the Half Blood Prince? I thought it was uh, Dumbled um, Dumbledore's army. Oh my God, Order of the Phoenix. Well, Order of the Phoenix is when uh, he when saved Dudley, right? But right. then in Half Blood Prince, when Dumbledore goes to pick up Harry, I think. Dudley doesn't seem to be his usual bullying self towards Harry. Like, they're never going to be, like, friends or anything, but he seemed to be, like, less antagonistic towards right. Harry. I think he was sort of still processing a little bit what Harry did for him, despite the fact that Dudley's always been bullying Harry their entire lives, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's right. like, you know, you saved me from this invisible monster thing. And, you know, what wh what do I do about this now? Right, right. Yeah. So when they're leaving, first of all, Dudley doesn't understand why Harry's not going with them. Which is, you know. And then he actually thanks Harry for saving his life. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a very nice moment. And, and I liked it. It, do it is, they did film it. It's in the deleted scenes or in the extras or whatever, but it didn't make the final cut of the film, which, you know, that that kind of sucked because I just thought that was a beautiful moment. But again, doesn't hurt the integrity of the films. Also, in the movie, the Dursleys leave on their own, but in actual reality, there's two members of the Order of the Phoenix that take the Dursleys away because there's no way they'd be able to hide from Voldemort <laughs> on their own. So there you go. It's never explained in the film how Harry obtains a fragment of the mirror that he peeks into throughout the film, where he thinks he sees Dumbledore's eye and it turns out to be, spoiler alert, his brother and all that stuff. They they don't go into detail as to how that occurs, but again, I guess he just happens to have it. When thought to get Harry out of Dursley's home, which is still under protection. In the film, Moody tells everyone head to the borough and you know, whatever. But in the book, they actually all had a plan to go to separate locations that, you know, are related to the order and then use a port key to get to the borough because it was just safer. In the book, oh God, this is so sad. Harry keeps Hedwig in her cage in the movie she set free. And I have to say, I think her death in the movie is better than the book. Because in the movie, she's almost like a heroine. <laughs> she attacks to protect Harry and then gets, you know, shot. And, you know, that's how she's killed. Where in the book, she, you know, it's, it's an accidental, you know, she just happens to get hit. And then he loses the cage when him and uh, Hagrid flip upside down and all that stuff. I cried so hard both reading yeah. about Hedwig and watching it. Poor little owl. She's just an owl. Why'd she have to die? Why? Why the animals always have to die? Because yeah. it makes people cry. Yeah. Well, that is why they do it. Pretty much. It, ha it happened. But yes, I, um, do, I prefer the movie death to the book. Just, just me. I don't know how you guys feel. Or if you have the same emotional <laughs> attachment as I do to Hedwig. 
I, if there's an animal I, in a movie or a show and I, I just know it's going to die, I start bawling because I know yeah. it's going to die. Well, and like when I watched the movie and he set her free, I was like, oh, maybe they're going to let her live. Yeah, I and know. It didn't happen. And I was like, damn it. I know. I know. But again, at least she like attacked one of the, the Death Eaters. So it's like, you know, she she fought yeah. in the end. Yeah. So during the attack, once they, you know, all leave Dursley's home and all that stuff, in the book, Hagrid and Harry's pursuers realize that it's Harry, not because Hedwig attacked, but because Harry used Expelliarmus, which they kind of seem like that's his go-to spell. So that's actually how they realized that Hagrid had the real Harry. In the movie, they made it because Hedwig attacked him. But in the book, they all actually had little Hedwigs with them. Uh, so, it, you know, it was a, a little different. But yeah, so that's how, because Harry used his go-to Expelliarmus. And they were like, oh, that's him. <laughs> no one else uses that spell but Harry, so let's go. <laughs> in the book, Voldemort gives up the pursuit because Harry's wand shoots golden sparks at him, allowing Harry and Hagrid enough time to cross magical boundaries, protecting the Tonks house. In the film, Harry simply manages to flee when Voldemort's wand broke. So that's it, it, it was definitely a, a more badass way in, in the book. Um, Harry wakes up in Tonks's house wandless and without Hagrid in the book and accuses Tonks's mother of being Bellatrix because he had never met Tonks's parents. But neither Tonks's mother nor father appear in the film. So which is again though unfortunately they have a bad end as well. Tonks family does not do well in this in this movie. I mean in this book. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in the book, there's like this whole chapter. I don't even, you know, we, we don't have to get into it. But basically, the Weasley family was going to use a ghoul to pretend to be Ron. <laughs> um, so that Ron can go off and help Harry find Horcruxes. And they were just going to say he was like sick by using the ghoul. So that's in the, in the book. But that entire chapter is omitted from the movie, which again, not a big deal. They also ignore Harry's 17th birthday, which releases the uh, trace, which means he can now do magic wherever he wants. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the wedding, Harry actually pretended to be Ron's cousin, Barney Weasley. But in the film, <laughs> he just went as himself. Which, you know, that was like a protection thing. Because... Everyone knew he was being seeked out. In the book, old woman who argued with Alpheus Dodge is this woman Meryl, but they never actually said that in the movie. She's just this batty old woman. The attack scene at the wedding was well done. Uh, Victor Crumb actually was at the wedding. Right. And Ron got very, very jealous as a result. <laughs> no, you, you know. Again, yes. I, I know I had mentioned a little while ago, like Victor Crumb kind of had a, a bit more, uh, again, nothing major. And that's why he wasn't in this, because I, this is the only scene I think he was in in the book. So pretty sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So in the book also, after everyone had made it to the borough safely, this is before the wedding, I'm backtracking again, I'm sorry. Harry actually announced that he was going to leave and start going off. But Ron confronts Harry and convinces him not to leave the borough, which does happen in the movie. But it didn't happen the way it happened in the book, which isn't a big deal. It's more of like, you know, instead of confronting him in front of everybody, Harry tried to sneak out. And Ron was like, dude, don't leave. (laughs) Stay. Okay. At 12 Grimmauld Place, which is the first place that they hide, the dust version of Dumbledore is defeated in the book by saying kill or a variant of the word. However, in the film, he just simply disintegrates when it reaches the trio. Also, if I recall, didn't like something happen with their tongues? Like they couldn't speak um, at first or something? Am I making that up? I could totally be making it up. I I kind of vaguely remember that. Right? Yeah. But I, I don't remember the significance of it. It's been so long since I've read the book. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds familiar, but I can't think of precisely what. Yeah, that's okay. So Hermione's not very polite to creature in the film, but in the book she's very kind because we all know she likes elves and wants them to be free and, and all that. Harry appeases creature by giving him the fake locket, and they actually find out more about Regulus Black, which is the R.A.B. from previous movie when they find out that the locket that Harry and Dumbledore risked their lives to go get was fake. And you kind of learn about Regulus who he is and what his backstory is and in the movie they kind of just don't you they you find out who he is like you know he's a black but that's pretty much it like that that's all you learn which is again fine so in the film lupin never shows up to grimmauld place to explain how everything was changing since Voldemort took over the ministry and actually in that time when he does harry and remus get into a huge blowout because Remus told them that Tonks is pregnant and because Remus is terrified about the child becoming a werewolf he actually wants to abandon Tonks and go with the trio basically to go hunt horcruxes and Harry calls him a coward and like you know they get into like this whole thing and then Tonks leaves so that whole thing Tonks's pregnancy everything is pretty much ignored except for after you know Remus is gone and he has the, the stone and he talks to him and he goes Remus your son and that's the only time you learn that Remus actually had a son and that's it but that was kind of weird it's like <laughs> magical boy but yeah so that's you know a, a repetitive uh thing because later on you do find out that they do have a, a son named Teddy, named after Tonks's father, and that Harry is the godfather. Yay. Okay. There's a lot, there, there's a running theme of, uh, like, cycles and circles, when you think about it, in Harry Potter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Gotta keep it on track. <laughs> okay. In the books, the magic is might statue portrayed which a wizard upon thrones made of muggles. In the film... Witch and Wizard are standing, and part of the statue foundation is a layer of muggles being crushed under the weight, which again isn't a huge deal. Um, in the book, Harry, while pretending to be Albert Runcorn, meets Percy and Arthur Weasley in the elevator, 
and he warns Arthur of being tracked, which Arthur takes as a threat. <laughs> and this doesn't happen in the film, though I do believe it is an extended scene. That part, the him warning Arthur, not Percy. Percy's not in the film at all, which is annoying because he becomes a big thing. Yeah. Um, when Harry breaks into Dolores Umbridge's office in the book, he takes Moody's eye from the door. And that's what alerts the ministry that there's an intruder. It doesn't happen in the movie. That was gross. <laughs> and also, if I recall, the eye was in her desk in, in the movie. Wasn't it? It wasn't in the door. It wasn't in the um, door. I don't remember. I just watched it, too. Yeah. Whatever. Doesn't matter. In the book, Harry enters the chamber where Mary Catamole is being interrogated alone and under the invisibility cloak. In the film, he walks in in plain view along with Ron, who is impersonating Mary's husband. <laughs> the very last one that they decide to do on this website, which is such a good website. I'm so mad that they didn't continue. But anyway, in the book, Harry and Hermione take out Umbridge and Yaxley before they have a chance to even react. In the film, Harry just stupefies Umbridge in the face. And in the book, the Patronus, then cast by Umbridge, only protects the interrogators. In the film, it protects everyone in the chamber. So those are the two differences about that scene. And now this is where we get, you know, crazy. In the book, though, the whole break-in at the ministry... It took them a while to plan this whole thing out. In the in the movie, it just seemed like they just kind of went for it. But they spent a lot of time figuring out every little detail. But obviously, we don't have time to sit there and watch them plan and plot. So that, that honestly didn't bother me because that probably would have taken way too long. Yeah. Okay. Again, not too many changes. The... For some reason, every single website that I have found has mentioned this. The whole Harry and Hermione dance scene in the tent in the movie doesn't happen in the book. I personally liked it. <laughs> it added a little bit of laughter when things had just kind of gotten very, very dark. Ron left and they left the spot that they were the last time they were with Ron. So Ron had no way of finding them at that point because if you watched or read they were jumping from spot to spot every couple of days a week or whatever just so that no one could find them or track them so when ron left they stayed in that spot a little longer hoping that he would come back and then they eventually left and that was really heartbreaking because now the chances of ron finding them was pretty much slim to none so that whole dance in the tent scene in the movie, I, I actually enjoyed it. But, you know, every single one brought that up. It's not, you know, yeah. it wasn't crazy. So, okay, so Harry doesn't discover the writing on the snitch until much later on. In earlier in, in the book, before the wedding, before everything, before he was killed, Scrimmager, who's the prime minister of magic, brings items to Ron, Harry, and Hermione from Dumbledore from his will. Basically, all of these items you kind of find out are to help them continue on the quest to find the Horcruxes. And Harry's one thing that he got is the snitch. He was also supposed to get a sword of Gryffindor, but 
is that 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 wasn't allowed because that actually didn't belong to Dumbledore. You find out later in the second movie. Second movie? I don't they use it in the second movie, but you learn why later, um, why he wanted to give that to Harry, which would have made things so much easier instead of them carrying around that stupid necklace, which is why Ron got ticked off in the first place. If they had the stupid sword, then everything would have been fine. But, you know, just saying. Right. Getting annoyed. Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. So in the book, I'm sorry, Harry finds out, sees the writing a lot sooner in the book than he does in the movie. In the book, as soon as he gets it, he kind of goes upstairs and he puts his mouth to it because he knows that snitches have flesh memories and it's his first snitch that he ever caught, which obviously he caught in his mouth. So him, you know, putting his mouth to it would have done whatever. So, but in the movie, he doesn't remember that whole thing until like they're almost done with the first movie by that time. So it took him a lot longer. To, to use it. So in the book, they use the invisibility cloak like a million different times. In the movie, they really don't use it much at all. Which, yeah. You know, I, I mean, they, they literally use it all the time. <laughs> yeah, it feels kind of weird, doesn't it? Because it's like, it turns out the invisible, I mean, by itself, it's a pretty awesome item to have regardless. Right. But then, you given, find out. <laughs> right. But then it's like, in the final book, it's, it turns out to be a more significant thing than you realized. Which, yeah, which I gotta say is one of the things that I can appreciate about the books, actually, is that, especially when you reread them um, a few times, you start to realize that actually um, there were clues that things were more significant than you realized in earlier books that come up again in the later books. And it's especially notable in, like, obviously Deathly Hallows, but you kind of see that a little bit in, um, you know, Half-Blood Prince as well. So Yeah. So, well, that's not really a change. But they made the, the Tale of the Three Brothers an animated thing in the movie as opposed to you know Hermione just reading it but I, that didn't bother me that was fine poor Peter Pettigrew or Wormtail he dies <laughs> in, in the book yeah 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 when they get taken to Malfoy Manor Peter Pettigrew's magical metal hand turns against him and he hesitates for a moment before killing Harry because he you know got a little backbone and I guess there was a curse on it that if he didn't do what he was told then sorry and it, it choked him to death yeah so in, in the in the uh, second book I think he just gets stunned but no Peter Pettigrew does does die right yeah oh here's one thing that I, I probably should have mentioned a little earlier Voldemort couldn't feel the Horcruxes dying in, in the book. Yeah. That wasn't a thing. How is that possible is what I want to know. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, the Horcruxes are have part of his soul. How do you not feel yourself dying? You know, as I think, I could be wrong, but I think J.K. Rowling actually addressed that at some point in, in a past interview. I think it was because... 
he was already physically suffering from various, you know, for various reasons that like he kind of got inured to a certain degree to pain. So he doesn't seem to like realize that this pain sensation I'm feeling is like one of a fragment of my soul being destroyed, if I recall. But, you know, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. But it just was weird. Yeah. It's like, dude. Okay. So the Snatchers, right? There's one that they kind of beat a more prominent role in, in the movie. And I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but it's like Scobier or something. He's, if you saw his picture, you would know. But the, the Snatchers were actually under Greyback's gang. They were his gang in the book. So Greyback helped capture Harry, Ron, and Hermione and bring them to Malfoy Manor. And Bellatrix actually stuns him after seeing Snatchers with the you know sword and all that, which is it does happen in the in the movie. But it's it's they made this guy uh, Scabier more prominent when really it's Greyback who was the more prominent leader of the Snatchers, which were basically goons that were hired to get. Muggleborns and you know all that, and unfortunately, you learn Tonks's father was hiding and didn't make it, and so that's sad. Yeah, yeah, very very sad. So I know I mentioned before, but you kind of learn about you know I, I mentioned learning about Dumbledore's history and stuff like that. So you you find out the story behind Ariana Dumbledore, where in the movie you just see a painting of her uh, at the brothers' place, but it's it's you find out that she had a, a very tragic death and that Albus actually blamed himself as a result. And also Alba Forth, his brother and Albus didn't get along because of his sister's death. But, it, you know, and Harry actually gets very upset about learning this. But in the film, he, he tells Aberforth he doesn't care. <laughs> he just needs to get into the, get to the school, get to Hogwarts. It's like, right. dude. <laughs> yeah so snape's memories that's a, that's a big one so they did a great job in the movie uh depicting snape's memories it was beautiful heartfelt you know you learn how much snape really loved lily and you know all this stuff they left some things out right so which is fine nothing too crazy but you don't get to see snape and lily meeting James and Sirius for the first time on the Hogwarts Express, where they kind of argue which Hogwarts house is best and all that stuff, which again isn't. But also another one is, I guess, kind of like the falling out between Lily and Snape, where Snape is actually apologizing to Lily for calling her a mudblood. And Lily tells him she's tired of making excuses for him. Yeah. And that's kind of how they stop being friends, even though Snape was madly in love with her. Um, yeah. yeah. One thing I found strange about it in the movie, though, was the fact that, like, he apparently showed up at their house, which is a little strange to me because then it's like, well, if you were at the house, then why did Hagrid end up taking Harry when Snape showed up first? You know? Well, I think it was that the Order didn't know that Snape was part, like, had changed sides. That's true, too. But it, it but yeah, it's, it just, I don't know. It just yeah. felt kind of strange to me. Yeah. No, I get it. Though so that that made me cry too. Yeah. Alan Rickman, man, you got me in the heart. Oh, I, yeah. 
he he he's good at that. Lily, after all this time, always just that one word, always. Yes, yes, yes. Oh God, Snape, why? I know. <laughs> you also find out in his memories that Petunia, who's Harry's aunt, wrote to Dumbledore asking if she could go to Hogwarts. So I think that's part of it is she wanted to be a wizard or a witch. Uh, also, yeah. She wasn't special like her sister. Mm-hmm. She was very jealous of her sister. I just find that like really fascinating that for all like her, you know, hatred of anything, you know, magic related, it turns out that it's actually her resentment of not being able to fit in and get in on on this magical stuff that like, mm-hmm. you know, she probably secretly found it kind of fascinating as well, but right. she doesn't have magic. So if I can't be part of it, then I'm going to get rid of it out of my life or whatever. Yeah. Right. So. I know like they, they showed how uh, Snape's Patronus matched Lily's because of his love for her and all that stuff. But they didn't, in the book, they kind of go into detail when they're in the woods, when they find the, the sword at the bottom of the frozen lake or whatever which basically Snape put there for him, and he has the Patronus lead him. Harry thought it was his mother in the book. They don't really like, go into it, but yeah, just yeah. adding that. Going into the battle, which again, they did a fantastical job with. That had to be a lot of fun, but like hard as hell to shoot. But uh, how Molly Weasley kills Bellatrix, though... You know, it happens. It is a little bit different, but they made sure they put the iconic line, not my daughter, you bitch, which I was happy about because like, yay, that's right. That's right, Molly. Kick her ass. Exactly. (laughs) In the book, though, Molly like literally just uses like a a lethal spell. And in the movie, she immobilizes her and then makes her explode, basically. I don't know which one I prefer. But basically, at the end of the day, Bellatrix is gone. And Molly. I was going to say, that, that's the one I prefer. The, I just want, the book or the movie? The, that Bellatrix is gone. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how. I don't care gone. how she's gone. She's just gone. Because <laughs> she killed Sirius. Yep. yep. I mean, exactly. she's a horrible person anyway, but she killed Sirius, and that was, she was done for me. Mm hmm. Out. So uh, I had mentioned Percy Weasley earlier. Percy shows up at the Battle of Hogwarts and fights along his family, right? Yeah. And is actually next to, uh, it's not George, it's um, Fred. Fred, Fred, thank you. And like, you know, they make up and they're like laughing while they're attacking and blah, blah, blah. And then it's, you know, Kablooey and poor Fred gets the dust with a smile on his face from the last joke he said. Don't talk about that. We don't we we don't talk about Fred. Fred is still that, alive. That also made me cry. That made me cry more than any of the other. As sad as those deaths were, that yeah, that was very sad. But yeah, so Percy does make up with his family at the end before he loses his his one brother. The final duel is different in the movie than it is in the book. Again, the obviously the ending doesn't matter Voldemort loses and whatever but I preferred the movie because obviously it made it more action-packed and whatever but in the book Harry and Voldemort kind of circle each other like a bunch of gunslingers with like survivors of the battle 
standing around and watching. Harry shares the truth about like the power of love and Snape's sacrifice and the Elder Wand before using a disarming charm to defeat Voldemort once and for all. Very anticlimactic, I guess. And I remember reading it going, wait, that's it? <laughs> that was it? Yeah. Was, that's a fight? What? <laughs> uh, but in the movie, you know, they're you know firing spells back and forth and chasing each other around Hogwarts, and it's definitely more action-packed and, like, you know, hardcore. So I, I actually do prefer the movie version compared to the book, because I, I do remember reading it going, wait, Voldemort died? Did I miss that? And I had to, like, reread it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what? Yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> he was there, and then he wasn't. He was gone. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then the last... Uh, noticeable or you know big thing was actually fate of the elder wand so in the movie harry breaks the elder wand and throws it off so that no one is like tempted i guess to use the power since harry is the master of death at this point because he owns all three hollows though he dropped the stone in the woods so i doubt he's gonna find that but um the wand in the in the book he uses the elder wand to repair his broken phoenix feather wand that, right if you recall in the first movie broke he saved it he kept it he used the elder wand to fix it because he liked it you know it's his wand i get it and then he actually put the elder wand back with dumbledore yeah i just thought that, that was weird that it's like harry don't you want your wand back yeah wait i'm sorry no he i don't remember now, this one's saying he vows to hold on to the Elder Wand, and when he dies, the Elder Wand's power will die with him. But didn't he put it somewhere that no one could get it? No, he put it back in the tomb. Right? He? That's what I thought. I thought he put it back in, in Dumbledore's tomb. Because the purpose was that if the wand was still in the tomb, most people wouldn't be going are not going to start. Yeah. I mean, most people are, you know, other than, you know, people like Voldemort, right? Right. Would not. Uh, desecrate tombs and steal stuff. Right. So you would help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, also people don't really believe in the Deathly Hollows. They thought it was a myth. Right. So really, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are the only ones that know that the three actually exist now. Right. You know, because Voldemort's dead. Um. So they're you know. So I, I think it was safe. Yeah. So those are the major uh, changes. But again. Nothing changed the integrity of the plot, unlike the last book slash movie, which you all know how we felt about that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I thought they did a fantastic job with both movies. You know, yes, there was a couple of things I wish were in there. Like I said, the, the Dursleys leaving and Dudley's whole thing and Percy being more involved, especially at the end. I'm okay with the fact that in the movie you didn't see Fred die you know like because uh, uh, that i really would have been bawling it was bad enough you know when they walked into the into the room and they're all standing it was just yeah but that the book the seventh book made me cry so many times like i just i just couldn't deal i just couldn't do it the one thing i do have to say about the movie that i didn't like was the very very end where you know like the future with their kids and stuff like that number one again they don't mention teddy Tonks and Remus right. son. he's there <laughs> yeah you don't learn that Neville is a professor at Hogwarts which he is 
took over herbology, didn't he? Yes, herbology specialty. But and they all look creepy as hell. I'm just saying they look creepy in that last scene. They tried to make them like age and stuff. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, it, it it wasn't good. I mean, Emma more or less looked kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. No, she was the only one. But I thought the rest of them did not did not look <laughs> did not look good. But you know, yeah, it's it's neither here nor there. And obviously, like that sets up next. Well, it's it's a play, but it's you know a book. It's actually a two part play. Which I saw on Broadway, yes. I haven't yet, and I need to. I read it. Um, I do have it. I have the book, or the screenplay, I guess, technically. Because it's written out like a screenplay as opposed to a book. It's a funny coincidence, but actually my brother managed to get tickets. Mainly because, like, uh, my my older niece especially is, like, a Potterhead. And um, by pure coincidence, the tickets he got were a Saturday night uh oh well, not saturday night but you know saturday showing and that particular saturday happened to be my birthday oh <laughs> it was a funny coincidence so uh i got one of the tickets so i went with them and actually the way for people who are not aware um and are thinking of like coming to new york to watch it so the way it works is that you watch both halves on the same day but there's like this really long intermission like I think there was like a an hour no it's like closer to two hours because what happened was we saw the part one in the afternoon and then later in the evening is when we would go back to watch part two because our because during that gap that was when we went out to eat dinner Mm -hmm. and then we went back to watch the part two now, I do believe you can do two separate days. I, I, I think I've heard people that, that do that. I would kind of just want to do one day as, as long as it is. <laughs> That's all, you know, it's basically seeing two Broadway shows right. in, in, in one day. But yeah. yeah. I want to see it, though. I want to see it really bad. It may, well, okay, since Mary, I don't know, like, if Mary has read the play or anything, but it's like, nope. Okay. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, we could, we could probably talk about, uh, that play in another episode or maybe as a bonus thing. I don't know, but, um, that could be, well, I've never read the play and I've obviously never seen it. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's been a long uh, time since I, since I read it, but, maybe yeah. maybe in the future yeah maybe anyway um yeah so uh i guess final thoughts about deathly hollows but also the whole harry, harry potter. potter series i guess yeah so i mean overall obviously fantastic i've read the books multiple times so i i am in love with story there's a lot of themes know kind of going in and out but basically the main theme is all about you know love and how love protects you and overcomes evil and you know blah blah blah. and it's actually funny there is a tiktok that uh this person was like you know call me a crazy disney adult or whatever but harry potter is literally star wars without lightsabers (laughs) it is kind of true they do have very similar 
underlying themes. I almost wonder if she kind of got us the, the idea a little bit from there. Because if you think about it right now, right, you think about Star Wars. Obviously, it's not identical, but there are very similar-esque things, especially right. the themes that, that kind of go through there, which is fine. You know, people kind of use certain things to, you know, anyway. But, uh, but no, I thought the books themselves were fantastic. Movies, obviously, some were amazing that stuck very, very true to the books or, the you know, as true as they could. Obviously, the first two being the smallest books were the easiest to stay true. Movie number six, The Half-Blood Prince, I think, needs to just be deleted. Life. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and redone and i know yeah. uh liz you you've mentioned it before but i do think that if they were to do a series it probably would have be able to add a lot more of the stuff that we missed in the movies because they'd have more time you know each book would be a season you know do seven seasons and you know have we, you, we would literally watch the kids grow up so yeah you know maybe in the future they'll they'll do something like that i mean you know as we said, Hollywood can't come up with any other ideas. Might as well recycle Harry Potter. Yeah. But I would <laughs> like to actually see Harry Potter have the damn green eyes like he was supposed to. Yes. He tried. Yeah. He tried. I know. Yeah. Poor Dan. <laughs> he, I know. He couldn't do it. I know. It, it wasn't his, and I know it's not his fault, but damn it. He's <laughs> supposed to have green eyes like his mother because that was the, it was like this huge thing theme everybody always said you look just like your father but you have your mother's eyes mm-hmm. and I'm like, like no he didn't it's like no he doesn't <laughs> just she had green eyes not blue mm-hmm. and i mean i i'm not saying dan was wrong for not being able to do it but it's just like damn it dan you're supposed you're supposed to have green <laughs> eyes <laughs> one more thing i i want to mention is obviously throughout the films like you know, Harry was a cutie as like a little kid. Uh, Ron was a cutie as a little kid. What's his name? Malfoy was a cutie as a little kid. And then, and poor Neville was just not. Matthew? Neville was done dirty at the beginning. Yes. But holy shit. Matthew Lewis, who plays Neville Longbottom, he is hot. He's <laughs> so hot. Holy crap. Yeah, it's like how? It's like how? Like, uh, dude, where have you been hiding? Tom Felton, I think, also is a is a good looking uh, guy as an adult. No, and see, no, I I I liked Dean better when he was a kid. No, I, I yes. mean not in that way, obviously, but he's not. I, I thought he was. I thought he was more. I can't say attractive because I mean, he was a, he was right, he was a but he was cute. He was a, he was a cutie. He was adorable as a kid. Yeah, and as he got older and throughout the entire movies he was pretty adorable up until probably like the sixth movie and he was getting more into his adulthood and i was just like <laughs> i mean i'm not thinking he's an ugly person he's just not my type yeah. anymore uh, I, I i do i do find him to be better looking daniel radcliffe for a while i was like "Ooh, what happened now like he he has a very good career ahead of him he's a he's a good actor so I wish him all the best. Rupert exactly. Grint, though. Yes, I, I, that 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 poor that, that poor man. Whew. And I mean, listen, it, looks are subjective. It's whatever you're into. So anyone who does find him still very good looking, that's all well and good. I just personally think he was much much cuter as as a child. Yes, 
he 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 was adorable. Yes, Emma Watson though, out of is beautiful. Yes, she, she's yeah. absolutely yeah. beautiful. She was so cute as a kid, and she just she uh, blossomed as she grew, and just yep, yeah, has mm-hmm. done well. I think she's taking a break from acting though. Right now, I haven't seen her in anything. Yeah, the last thing she did was Little Women. Yes, yeah. So, but yeah, no. But I thought you know overall she did fine in terms of the movies. Books obviously better, but books I think for the most part are always going to be better. It's just how it is because you get more in the books, but they can do that. You can't spend time doing inner monologues in in like in films. So it's like I do get it. Again, my biggest complaint is that sixth movie. That was a yeah. travesty. Yes. I will never forgive them that. <laughs> Ever. Ever. You will never be forgiven, David Yates. Never, (laughs) ever, ever for that monstrosity of a movie. (laughs) Oh, Lord. What about you guys, though? Yeah, I was definitely more of a book fan than the movies. But I think they did many of the movies well. There was just a few. There there was just one (laughs) glaringly (laughs) obvious mistake. And, and we all know which one that is. Yeah. Never forget. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I need to say anymore. Sam has done a really well job of saying it all for us. <laughs> Sorry, I took the words right out of your mouth. You did. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not, there's not much else for me to add. I mean, I more or less agree with you guys. I mean... The books were great as they were, and not all cases, but some of the changes they did in the movies, like it, it makes sense why they did it, you know, because you have to balance the, you know, integrity of the story mm-hmm. and um, what makes it flow and what's actually uh, visually makes sense for people to watch. Because, like you were saying before, like it's hard to film. Uh, inner monologues and thoughts you know right. when, when you're going from like a you know written media into a more visual one but um yeah overall i i thought they did a pretty good job uh but yes like we like we've already said before um given how hollywood does have a tendency to not have anything original anymore um i'm seriously expecting at some point in the next few years that they're gonna end up doing harry potter again in some way i mean you know look at what they've done so far with the fantastic beast right series so yeah i mean i'd be interested to see how they do but there's certain characters i don't know like snape he's always gonna be alan rickman always like alan rickman was perfect that role he had a voice can't you can't replace him like so if they were to ever redo this as like a series i'm interested to know who's going to be filling those shoes and i feel bad for them because i just don't see how they would ever be able to hold anywhere close to alan rickman yeah but you know i i mean and i'm not saying that michael gambon is is a bad actor but Having to try to fill the shoes after uh, Richard Harris died mm-hmm. to come into the Dumbledore. I mean, 
Richard Harris was Dumbledore. Yeah. That is who, the minute I saw him, I was like, that's, that's, that is who I pictured in my head to play Dumbledore when I was reading the books. And then they went from that to Michael Gambon. And I, like I said, he's a one, wonderful actor, very talented. Just was not, it was not a good role for him because he was too passionate where Dumbledore has always been very, he was always calm mm -hmm. throughout the entire series of books. He was very calm. Almost annoyingly so. <laughs> exactly. And then you get Michael Gambon in there and he's just very over the top and loud and yelling and just very forceful. And it's like, that is not Dumbledore. Oh. That that was that's one of my biggest pet peeves of that movie, besides Harry's eyes. Yeah, no, but I mean, you know, I thought they did great with with the casting. Obviously, you're never going to get perfect. You know, perfection exactly. is is exactly. difficult. They did a relatively good job for you know all that, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I can't believe we made it through all seven. Yeah, oh, we yes. did it. We did it. Yay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time. And see what we're going to talk about. Because the three fates decide.